Hello everyone, I'm Ronnie McBrayer, and you are listening to Keeping the Faith. On this podcast, you will find my regular talks, the occasional interview, hopefully a little light from the Enneagram time to time, and hear conversations with friends on the ever-changing, ever-evolving nature of faith. If you are burned out on religion, to quote Eugene Peterson's marvelous paraphrase, but faith is still important to you, or if you consider yourself a spiritual exile with no real place of belief to call home, then I have you especially in mind, and I hope you'll stick around. When a person thinks that he or she or his or hers should never under any circumstance suffer deprivation or discomfort, that does not create character. It creates this deep emptiness at best and malignant narcissism at worst. There is no development without difficulty, no strength without the struggle, and no resurrection without the cross. And that's a clip from today's talk on my podcast. Thanks for tuning back in. This is the beginning of a multi-part series. I can't say exactly how many at this point because it's always in process. About trying to try something different. And that something different is surrender. Taking inspiration from a poem by the ancient poet Rumi and also the words of Jesus to his disciples in Matthew 16 about giving up the driver's seat. And uh, I hope you'll settle in for these weeks ahead and uh, we'll explore together what it means to let go, even if we're letting go just a little and finding uh, some peace during these times. Thanks for tuning in again today and uh, I hope you'll share this podcast with friends who might benefit as well. A farmer found himself aging unable to meet the physical demands of keeping up his homestead. And his wife said to him, you know, we love this farm. It's our home, it's our life, our livelihood, but to stay here, we're going to need some help. So maybe you should hire someone to take some of the burden off of you. And the farmer thought about this for a while and ultimately set his pride aside and took out a help-wanted ad in the old Progressive Farmer magazine. I guess that magazine is still out there. I remember it as a kid. And it wasn't long until he had hired a young, strong man with a limber back and an eager work ethic to lend a hand around the farm. And on his first day, the farmer told the lad, I need you to paint the barn. Now, it's a big job, and it'll be difficult to complete, but you're up to it, and I'll check in on you later. The farmer expected this task to take several days, but at supper time, he discovered the boy had completed the job masterfully in one day. And the next day, he said to the boy, I need you to milk all the cows, feed the hogs, gather the eggs from the hen house. And again, this was a job that was to take some time, but again, this new hire finished by lunchtime. And so it went for days and days, whatever assignment the farmer gave to his new hire, his new employee, it was finished in like record time. And then one morning, the farmer took the young man to the cellar where he had a mountain of potatoes. And he said, okay, here's what I need you to do. I need you to sort these potatoes into three piles. 
There needs to be a pile that will be turned into animal feed. That's the worst of the lot. And then the middle grade potatoes, make a pile for them. We're going to keep those for our own consumption. And then the best potatoes that you have, put them in a pile over here and they will be sold to market. Now, as good as you've been at all these tasks, I'll be back in a couple hours and you should have this done. So the farmer comes back in a couple hours as promised. And there sits this young man in these piles of potatoes and he's not done anything. He's just sort of juggling a couple potatoes and the pile hasn't been diminished or sorted in any way. And the farmer says to the young man, what, what are you doing? What, what happened? You're usually so efficient and you haven't done a thing. And the young man said this. He said, sir, I can work harder and faster than most anyone. But I have a real bad time trying to make decisions. And that sure sums up a lot of people. Maybe you know someone like that. Maybe you are someone like that. I live with a young man who shall remain nameless, who is very much like that boy in the potato cellar. You give him an assignment that requires work. Give him clear boundaries, clear expectations. He can meet them. But sometimes, if you ask him to make a decision, bring him to a menu where he has to choose between multiple options, and he becomes sort of paralytic at that point. He gets stuck worrying about the outcome. Worrying about what could go wrong. What responsibility he would bear if things don't work out because of the choices that he has made. You know, even if the road you are on is hard, it's uphill, it's laden with potholes, it has all these hairpin turns and steep runaway downhill scuttles, most of us can stay at it. We persevere. Now we might need to pull over and make a pit stop. We might in the course of our life have to stop and check our water levels as our engine overheats. Where though does traffic always seem to back up? At the crossroads. At those places where we have to make decisions, where we have to choose a different path. We can carry on When there are clear boundaries and expectations. But what do we do when we have to make a choice? How do we answer when the question is not one of what, but a question of how? I am at this crossroads in my life. How do I choose wisely? How do I make the right decision in sorting everything out? How do I leave this road I'm on and have been on and go a different way? The young man's answer becomes our own. Well, sir, I can work hard and I can work faster than anyone else, but I have a real bad time trying to make decisions. Because every decision is an act of surrender. You commit to this one way and you must abandon the other routes laid out before you. You have to put this potato in that pile and move on to the next one. And that can be really difficult when it's about more than 
potatoes. I said a couple of things last week that triggered some vigorous responses from those who were listening. And it wasn't unlike taking a vaccination. When I took my second COVID shot, it was followed by about 18 hours of what felt like COVID all over again. The back and the joint pain were crippling. I had a headache. I had a sore throat. Cindy, God love her, only had a sore arm. And my boys, who have all taken the vaccine, didn't even have that. But I had this, what's called a robust immune response. And that's ultimately a good thing. It meant that my body was going to work. It invoked a struggle within me that would eventually lead me to getting healthier and getting better and being protected. And that's exactly what some of you experienced last week with the talk that I gave, and I'm glad for it. I had multiple texts and emails, calls and messages, and a few old-fashioned cards even in my mailbox, and to a person All of these were reacting to the words I quoted last week. Words of Rumi and Eckhart and Jesus. In that order I said, there is a necessary dying. And then Jesus breathes again. Very little grows on jagged rocks. So be ground, be crumbled. So wildflowers will come up where you are. You have been stony for too many years. Try something different. Surrender. And then Eckhart, that German monk from the Middle Ages, said, There is only one spiritual discipline, Gelassenheit. It translates to English, surrender. And Jesus, of course, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. In a single word, it is surrender. This is the perennial, spiritual, and practical wisdom of the ages. Surrender is the something different to try. Surrender is the one spiritual discipline. Surrender is the giving up of your own way, the daily cross that you carry. Surrender is the letting go, the loosening of your grip, the resignation of your place as would-be controller and manager of your life. Surrender is the handing over of the keys, the releasing of the steering wheel, and the climbing down from the driver's seat. Keeping the Faith is brought to you without ads or commercial interruption of any kind, except for this one invitation. I have friends who are inspired by what they hear from Keeping the Faith, and those friends support my work. But you can support this podcast as well by buying me a coffee. Buy Me a Coffee is a tiny little link where you can throw a few bucks into my tip jar and keep me busy behind the counter serving up the best episodes I have to offer. Simply go to buymeacoffee.com slash McBrayer and you can easily and securely donate to the cause. You can also go to my website, ronniemcbrayer.org and click on podcast. You will find several ways to lend a hand and you can also choose your favorite listing platform, be it Apple, Podbean, or Spotify so that you will never miss a single life-changing, day-making, death-defying episode.
Thank you for being a regular listener. You heard Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Jesus' words in Matthew 16 earlier. I'll repeat just a couple lines. Anyone who intends to come with me, Jesus says, has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. And to those reaction and all those folks who reached out to me this week, here is the same question I heard from almost every single person. How? I got it, was the usual response. I understand. I need to surrender. I want to surrender. But how does one go about doing such a thing? And if you were one of the people who sent that sort of question to me, you were not alone. I am happy with the response. The jab is doing its work. You are reacting as you should. Stuff is going on inside of you that could very well lead to better health, to being protected from the corrosive danger of going it alone. And mixing my metaphors, you sit in the cellar of your soul trying to sort it out. I'm at this crossroads. How do I choose this right path for me? How do I try something new? How do I let go of this road I have been on and go in a different road altogether, a different path in the direction of surrender? So for the next several weeks, I'm going to hang out with these words of Jesus from Matthew 16. And add a few more of his words to it as well. And try to unpeel this onion. Let's sit with it. And sort it out. Let's figure out, collectively if possible. Individually for certain. What it means for each of us. To give up the driver's seat. Let's contemplate the meaning and practices of Galassenheit. Let's try to try something different. Let's learn again the very elemental definition of what it means to follow Jesus, which is self-sacrifice. It's the way of the cross. It means imitating and reflecting the actions and attitudes of Christ. It means giving up control. It means embracing the way, His way, in order to find yourself, your true self, Jesus said in the text this morning. All of this is the language of and the learning to surrender. Now, I ask you, is that what you want? Is this the discipline, the path, the road, the choice you are willing to make? If so, I am glad. And with all my joy, I can make you two promises. One, this is the way. Choose this path, the path of surrender. And you will find peace. It will bring you a level of serenity and clarity. 
that maybe you haven't had since you were a young child. It will give you an unbelievable awareness of the love God has for you and the love God has for the world. It will allow you to see and accept your own weary, wounded, but dazzling soul. It will lead you into the abiding comfort and presence of the living Christ. All of this, I promise. And it's not the promise of some slick televangelist crossing his fingers while he takes your donation. No. Surrender is the way of salvation in every way that one can define that word. That's a guarantee. And here is the second promise. It's probably going to (laughs) hurt. Oh, that fine print at the bottom of the legal document. What was it in Rumi's poem? A necessary dying? Be ground? Be crumbled? He said. That can't be easy. And what did Jesus say? Take up your cross, an an instrument of execution. Give up your life. You have to die. Anything other than that is quite literally satanic, he warned Simon Peter and his disciples. And Eckhart, he didn't let us off the hook either. Galassenheit, that sounds like something that will kill you. And he called it a discipline. In the 1200s, when he used that word, it was the word discipline. And it meant to scourge oneself, to whip oneself, to lash one's own body. Literally, no. But understand that surrender ain't easy. In the words of the immortal Rich Mullins, God rest his soul. Surrender Don't come naturally to me. I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want than to take what you give that I need. Surrender is the worst of struggles because we are not fighting what is out there somewhere. We are fighting against ourselves. We are struggling within our own souls. And that fight is the most difficult one we will ever face. But as difficult as it is, if we avoid the struggle, and if we avoid the pain that comes with it, we will avoid our own transformation. You might know the story of a youngster who came upon a a cocoon while he was walking through the woods. And he had paid attention in science class. He knew what it was. And he reached out and he snapped the twig off to which it was attached and carried it home. And set it up in the window of his room and waited and watched this little pouch. And one day it happened. A little tear, a little crack in the chrysalis. And what had been a caterpillar, what had been a worm had transformed into this beautiful monarch butterfly and it was struggling to get out and the struggle was so intense 
And the little boy watching it, he, he wanted to help his little friend out. So he took his little school scissors and he cut the chrysalis open further and pulled the layers apart so that this beautiful creature could emerge. But it wasn't beautiful. Its wings were wilted. It never learned to fly. It could only crawl around in a shoebox. Why? Because breaking out of the cocoon is nature's way for that butterfly to empower and strengthen its wings. For it to be transformed into a beautiful flying machine. And the help that little boy gave to his friend did not help him at all. The struggle was absolutely necessary for the transformation to take place. And what is true in nature is true of human nature. It's true for you and for me. Transformation will require struggle and change is most often accompanied by suffering. And I'm not a sadist Neither was Jesus. But Jesus and reality make it clear. To avoid the struggle, to avoid the pain, is to avoid conversion. If you don't struggle to the point of finally surrendering and letting go, you will never surrender and let go. Now, this is an outrage for most of us. Because we have constructed a society with a monumental low threshold for pain. And sadly, such pain aversion isn't limited to just the spiritual. Some small subsection of our culture, it is rampant. It is in playrooms and boardrooms, state houses and church houses. It manifests itself in everything from helicopter parents to fiscal irresponsibility. When a person thinks that he or she or his or hers should never under any circumstance suffer deprivation or discomfort, that does not create character. It creates this deep emptiness at best and malignant narcissism at worst. There is no development without difficulty, no strength, without the struggle, and no resurrection without the cross. It is supposed to hurt. And you must learn to cooperate with your pain instead of continually resisting it or avoiding it. What do I mean by cooperating with your pain? Simply that pain is the master teacher. And it opens the doorway to maturity. For for my own part, and I'm not enlightened, I'm not an icon of maturity, but I can tell you this, that anything that I have learned that is of any use to myself or anyone else has been the product of struggle. Now at my age, I haven't learned a whole lot from pats on the back or you did real good or even success. 
It's only those times when I quit circumventing my struggles and became a steward of it that I learned anything of worth. Think about the most beautiful people that you know. And I'm not just talking about their exterior. The most beautiful, beautiful people I have known are not those who have lived a charmed life without any hassle. It's those who have been wounded deeply. And they have let those wounds transform them. They are patient. They are steady. They can still laugh. They still carry hope in their hearts. Oh, to be sure, they have been ground. They have been pulverized. But the most beautiful wildflowers have grown up in the fertile soil that remains. Now, the ugliest people I have known have been wounded too. But they are bitter. They are angry. The light in their eyes have gone out. They remain as hard as a stone, calcified and soured in their resentment. And when it comes to even the slightest relinquishment, the mere beginning of a surrender, they respond exactly as Simon Peter did in our text this morning. Impossible. This will never happen. They remain where they are. Paralyzed. Unable to go any further, when someone who has experienced similar sufferings have allowed those sufferings to open up their hearts and souls to a whole new way of living. As Dr. James Finley says, true liberation is the result of our willingness to open our hearts to the aching. That is what transforms us as everything within us dissolves so that we can be filled. With the love and presence of God. Only when we are left empty and exhausted can we experience healing grace. When left for dead, we experience resurrection. When left with our struggle, we begin finally to surrender. You have been listening to Keeping the Faith, the podcast home of yours truly, Ronnie McBrayer. You can follow me on Facebook or Twitter, whatever your socialization preference may be. At Ronnie McBrayer will get you there in either case. Visit my website at RonnieMcBrayer.org, and there you can stay up to date. On my speaking schedule, books I have written, projects just over the widening horizon, and yes, you can find out more about me than anyone truly wishes to know. Thanks to Shutterstock Incorporated, located in New York City's Empire State Building, no less, for producing and licensing my theme music, Bobby Rains provides recording and technical expertise. Tim Riles created the Keeping the Faith logo and artwork. And Lynn Sunshine on My Shoulder Crow is credited with any and all photography. And as always, Toby and Mo, the two small wonder dogs that run my home, assisted with all editing. I'm Ronnie McBrayer. This has been Keeping the Faith, and I thank you for listening.